Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is your weekly rundown for the latest top tech news from around the world delivered every Wednesday. On my show, you'll find a mix of the latest tech news from around the world, including emerging tech, privacy, cybersecurity, and more, including interviews with experts, innovators, and everyday tech tips to level up your life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening and welcome to Coffee and Code. Hello and welcome to your weekly episode of Coffee and Code. I'm excited to have two amazing guests on the show this week, Marco and Lindsay. They are from Like Ventures, and they are passionate about accessibility and technology, and I'm excited to have them on the show. I recently got to know them, um, and they're both doing really amazing things, Um, and especially since accessibility is such an important topic in technology, now that we are rapidly evolving the way that we communicate, now more than ever, it's so important to design with accessible experiences in mind at the forefront and not as an afterthought. Um, So we're going to have a great conversation today. We're going to kind of run through um, what Like Ventures is, how you can support them, what kind of events that are coming up. I know there's a conference coming up soon and um, how you can get involved in, in this incredibly important initiative. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Marco and Lindsay. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Ashley. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Well, um, Marco, Lindsay, uh, take a moment to tell us a little bit about yourself. Go for it, Lindsay. All right. Um, Well, nice to um, be on the call with you today. And uh, my name is Lindsay Feit. I'm a healthcare consultant focused on delivering technology solutions to problems faced really across all facets of healthcare. So after receiving my bachelor's in information systems from the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse a few years ago, I worked in the government and patient sectors, helping launch multiple programs, um, including a 24-7 global telehealth service. Currently, I focus more on um, implementing digital solutions within the payer and provider realms. And then, of course, the larger reason that we're here today is to talk about Like Ventures, where I am a co-founder and managing partner. So excited to get into it today. And um, Marco, take it away. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I too am a co-founder with Like Ventures and the chair of our accessibility conference, which you alluded to a little bit, Ashley. We can get into that in a second. But uh, my background is actually as an accessibility consultant and inspirational speaker. So I've been running my own business now for close to 10 years as a speaker. Uh, I'm based out of Canada. I live in uh, close to Vancouver, Canada. Um, And uh, I just, I love every aspect of what it is that I get to do, uh, particularly because I'm a person with lived experience um, as a person with a disability. So you wouldn't be able to tell this over a podcast, but I'm a person who uses a wheelchair uh, on the regular every single day. Um, and I have cerebral palsy, so it affects my ability to walk. And ironically, that's not the career path that I originally set out to do. I originally actually had a career in the video game industry. I got a diploma and degree in video game design. Uh, but in the re- recession of 2010, when the recession hit, um, that was a huge wake-up call for me because I lost my job in the game industry. But it gave me a really cool opportunity, and that was to assess what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And long story short, I ended up saying to myself, you know what, maybe I can take a crack at this whole speaking thing and do that because I really feel like that's aligning with my my passions and my purpose. And I haven't looked back since and uh, really, really excited to have joined the Like Ventures team uh, last year. So we've been together as a team as a whole now for about 12 months. And uh, we're, we're working on some really interesting things. So I can't wait to dive into it with you. Awesome. Well, th- that's so exciting. And I, I love that you two have very different backgrounds. 
And I think they complement well. Um, I, I find that I work best with individuals that have varying backgrounds and varying interests. So I think that's a really wonderful, you know, amalgamation of meeting of the minds of, of different areas. And um, <clears throat> I'm so like excited to talk about you to, to you too about certain topics today. Um, but thank you both for for being here. And I'm so glad that you two found your path in this specific um initiative and and marco when when you were saying in 2010 um of that you know the crash there i think sometimes the most beautiful things that can happen are that come from the things that are unexpected and then what we think are failures really become huge successes it's all how we look at them right um and following your passion is is the way to go so i'm, I'm so glad that Absolutely. you did that yeah no i mean me too right i, I think uh it, i always say to people it helps to have a good uh team in your corner. In my case, I had my my then girlfriend, my now wife, who's always been the most amazing supportive person ever. And um, when she wasn't devastated that I lost my job, I thought to myself, maybe I shouldn't be devastated about it either. And maybe there's an opportunity here for me to find something even better. And that's exactly what I've done. And I always feel like one opportunity connects to the next, to the next, to the next, just like anything in life, but you got to know what signs to look for. And when the opportunity to work with the like team and become a more integral uh, part of the team and integral partner um, came up, I said, absolutely. So it's, it's been, it's been a cool ride so far. This is a really good segue. Can you both tell us a little bit more about Like Ventures? So you mentioned kind of the, the age of the company or age of the initiative. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, so LIKE is actually an acronym. It stands for Learning, Innovation, Knowledge, and Education. Um, and we were founded alongside Yale School of Medicine's um, Center for Digital Health Innovation. Another one of our co-founders um, was engaged with the team at Yale at the time and thought, you know, we're doing really great work here, but how can we take it to the next level? How can we really promote meaningful change in this space? And so that's how LIKE Ventures came to be. Um, as Marco mentioned, we launched almost exactly a year ago in March 2020, and we're a group of six people really working to identify, recognize, and empower innovators that are developing digital technologies that increase accessibility for people with disabilities. Um, we're made up of three main business units, but our main focus right now is really our Like Ventures Foundation arm, um, which is a nonprofit. So we focus most, mostly on educational events, such as webinars. And um, as you mentioned towards the um, top of our conversation here is um, our key initiative is the Like Ventures Accessibility Awards Conference. Um, so I'll let Marco dive a little bit into that, but overall it's gonna be a great event. We're gonna have some keynote speakers. And um, I think really our goal there is to hope that everyone leaves with a new energy for innovation and um, all kinds of new information around accessibility and disabilities and um, really just help promote innovation in, in the disability space. Very well put, Lindsay. I love it. I love it. And, um, and yeah, Ashley, like towards my role as the chair of the event, uh, this was actually a really exciting thing. Uh, the member of our team, which uh, Lindsay was referring to, is just one of the most bubbly guys I've ever met before. And and how he actually came across me is just like anything when it comes to authentic networking and particularly that of authentic networking online. He found me on LinkedIn and he had seen my background in, in the tech industry and my transition into speaking. And I, I guess he'd been kind of, uh, you know, politely, you know, re reviewing my background and things like this. And he, he just finally approached me and said, like, look, this is what I'm doing with this Yale uh, committee, this Yale board uh, of individuals. And ultimately, what I want to do in my life and my career is something truly meaningful. You know, it's great when you can meet important people, but what really truly is importance? And, you know, he basically said it to me as though... He has all this experience with these people who are, you know, very large in their fields, but they want to do something more. And with this Yale board, um, this Yale group of individuals, they wanted to recognize innovators in the space of technology and innovation. And they thought, well, what better way to do that than to, you know, present awards 
to pioneers in the space and people who've been doing this for their lifetime. Um, but it kind of springboarded from that. You know, we kind of started with just like, oh, it should just be like a wine and cheese reception. And then I said, you know, no, actually, where I, what I think we should really do is be able to provide a platform for educating them as to the reasons why some of these innovators got into the space they got into and how that's going to impact communities overall, you know, all the places that we live, work, play and learn. And, and uh, we kind of rolled with it from there. And so now we're really, really excited to launch this event. Our inaugural event is kind of a, our kickoff, you, you would say, for Like Ventures. Um, and it's happening on October 14th of, of this year. Uh, we're doing it all virtual. And as Lindsay alluded to, we're going to have keynote speakers. We're going to have some panels uh, around education in um, the healthcare space, the technology space, as well as um, the education space. And how is accessible technologies and innovations really impacting those three areas? But really what this is, is just an opportunity for these like-minded individuals on various different industries to get together under one virtual roof to get to know each other. And hopefully, if there's some new innovators, some new entrepreneurs that are out there that has this really amazing innovation that they haven't yet seen the light of day, that potentially there's even some venture capitalists in the room or some people who are from bigger organizations like Google or Facebook who would be interested in investing in this technology and really doing meaningful good work. You know, it's one thing to talk about the work that you're doing. It's another thing to put it into action with strong teams. And uh, that's basically our mantra at Like Ventures is we want to do good, meaningful work to improve the lives of persons with disabilities, period. And how we're going to do that is by making these connections. So that October event is the kickoff of that. I love that. That is so exciting. And I think it'll be incredibly meaningful to kind of bridge the gap there and, and that conversation. And like you said earlier, having those the ability to showcase really great use cases of, of, of technology and accessibility in its current space and, and seeing kind of that, that design process and how you, know, you got there is important for everyone to see. I remember attending the um, XR Access Symposium at Cornell Tech in 2019, and we had split up into different groups, and we we were charged with different topics of, you know, how do we build a framework for the future of designing with accessibility in mind, and we all kind of came up with these initiatives, and we kind of asked ourselves, you know, we can only do so much, but like the real, the real action happens in the work um, you, ha you actually have to like think of, okay, if I'm building a virtual reality experience, how do I make sure that there is, you know, the ability to change contrast and color and um, reduce locomotion or motion or, or captioning? Um, you have to think about those things at the very beginning of your design experience and, and not afterwards. Um, but there's VR and, and XR and some of these emerging technologies um, they're really evolving. Um, there, there are a set of industry standards, correct, for um, browser-based and web-based experiences. But in these more, I would say, evolved forms of communication, such as our cell phones, um, tablets, things that we interact with every day, smart devices, um, there, it's. I don't. I don't think that accessibility is is quite there 100% yet. Um, I know Apple has really put forth a lot of effort in their accessibility initiatives. Um, when I worked for Apple in 2011, um, accessibility was baked into some of their products, um, but mm -hmm. it wasn't that great. I remember I had um, a really wonderful interaction with an individual who came in and he had a, um, I can't remember specifically what he was dealing with, but he uh, was losing the ability for him to move completely. So we were working on a basically tracking system for his glasses that would connect to his Mac so he could, you know, use a gaze to select windows and basically use Dragon Dictation to kind of write a memoir um, with his family, with him in, in his, his, his final um, time of, of being able to use those, those abilities. And it just like really opened my mind of how, how much is, is possible, but isn't there yet. Um, so yeah. I would, and, and, and I hope that that changes. Um, I feel like we have, we have caught up with technology that, you know, almost anything is possible, especially with, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, 
from you from your perspective as co-founders is there something specific um maybe a person or a specific event that maybe inspired you guys to create like ventures wow that's a that's a great question Lindsay, how about yourself uh, how about you you get us started on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i i think each member of our core team really has different reasons for being involved but for me um like Ventures has really just been almost the perfect way for me to bring together my passions for technology innovation, as well as diversity and inclusion. Um, I I don't have a really much lived experience with any disability. Um, I have some family members. Um, my grandma has macular degeneration. And so, you know, I think everyone, um, whether they know it or not, if it's uh, more of an invisible disability, Everybody knows somebody who um, who has a disability that impacts them day to day. Um, so I think just as far as, you know, kind of what inspired me to uh, get involved with Like Ventures is um, recognizing that accessibility is an area that's so important and really has so much potential for to create change and to really have a huge impact. So um it's a great way to not only continue educating myself, but also encouraging others to learn and grow their knowledge about disabilities and kind of spread this motivation for meaningful change. And I think just in the experience in um, my work so far and the trends that I've seen in the tech industry, I think maybe this is a lofty statement, but um, I think it's accessibility is really kind of the future of tech. Um, it, Again, maybe a lofty statement, but I think I think certainly at minimum, it's a key trend of the future that we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's I 100% agree, Lindsay, and I have to say, like that to me is the driving force behind universal design is understanding that when you design universally for all people, that you're designing for all people, <laughs> and as an offshoot of that, you then end up, um, you know, creating things that really work for the space of accessibility, because ultimately what you're doing, whether it's intentional or unintentional, is actually removing barriers for people. So Ashley, when you shared that story of eye gaze technology, I have to say, like, when I was in the game industry in around 2010, as you said, it was just an introductory conversation to accessibility way back then, uh, let alone uh, where there are people looking at it from the aspect of this is actually a whole segment of an industry or an entire industry in and of itself. And I think that now in 10, 11 years, it's really grown into something more, something that people who weren't impacted by the space could even imagine that it would become. And the reason why I'm really motivated by it is not anything really just to do with myself and my own experiences as somebody with a physical disability, but rather understanding the differences that my friends who have other disabilities go through and how they're impacted when technology and when innovations don't meet them where they're at. There's nothing more frustrating to call something a brand new innovation, but then if it doesn't work the way it's intended for all people, then what's really the point? Because you're ultimately creating something that's excluding someone from an experience that ultimately should have them feel included, involved. And in many cases, regardless of what your innovation is, there's always a sense of play. I don't want people to forget that, whether it's a piece of new technology for a gaming console or whether or not you are getting an ice cream scoop that just works for somebody with uh, you know, uh, impacted dexterity issues in their hand. That ability to feel like you can have fun, you can be involved and to use something and the function of something doesn't get in the way or impact you from just being in the moment with your friends, family, and loved ones. That's exactly why I think we need to do what we need to do right now with Life Ventures. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really feel like we're on this roller coaster, kind of like going up and we're hearing the clicks and we're really just about to kick off on what's happening next and in technology. So this is a really good segue. Um, so both of you are accessibility advocates, obviously, and it's something you're, you're both very passionate about. So I'm very curious from both of your backgrounds, what have your what have been your biggest takeaways thus far? And, and think about where you are in your 
career currently, your lived experiences, the experiences that you've had in your in your respective fields. What is what has been your biggest takeaway thus far and in, in where you are in this space? Um, I would say uh, I guess the one thing that or the biggest thing that I've taken away is um, it's important to recognize disabilities. I touched on this in the in the last point as well, but recognize them not only from a physical standpoint, but also mentally as well. So thinking about things like anxiety, autism, ADD, etc. Um, I feel like in the past few years, we've seen a really good increase in mental health advocacy, but there definitely can still be a large stigma around these conditions. So it's important to continue driving the conversations around all kinds of disabilities and really address the impacts that they can have on our experiences. And um, Marco, I know one other thing, and please add your commentary in here as well, but one other thing we've talked about as a team a lot is not only the importance of accessibility, but making things accessible in a meaningful way. Um, one example that you've given a yes. few times is, you know, having a wheelchair user have a ramp, um, but instead of the building having it as the front entrance where um, where everyone goes in, um, it can sometimes be at the back of a building. So it's it's easy to think, well, technically we made it accessible, which <laughs> yes, technically that's true, mm-hmm. but it's it's not really meaningful to the person with the disability who has to then go out of their way. Yeah, that's right. And in some cases, I would say that it is um, unintentional segregation in many cases, but there is that sense of segregation, uh, you know, and I think that that's really the importance and the difference between accessibility and, as you said, Lindsay, meaningful access. You know, we want to level the playing field in a way that feels as though we're not placating any one particular audience. I don't expect anyone to understand fully what it's like to be me and to be born with cerebral palsy or to be a wheelchair user or anything like that. But I don't want sympathy. I want your empathy to understand potentially some of the, some of the setbacks or some of the barriers that I might face. And if those things that you don't understand, then let's have a conversation. Let's just talk about it. I I think that for my, my answer is simple. What I've actually learned in the space of being an accessibility consultant is vulnerability creates the most meaningful conversations. So although people can easily see that I have a physical disability when they see me out in public and they see my wheelchair and things like this, they may not know that I also, as a motivational speaker, I struggled with anxiety and depression and mental health challenges for 20 plus years. And that's not something that you would see on the surface. But And I I avoided talking about that for so long because I didn't want to um, have it be negatively reflecting on my ability to, to be somebody that's seen as a motivator for others. But I couldn't be more wrong because when I decided finally to be vulnerable about it, start to have those conversations and talk about some of the unseen things, that's when I realized that more people are going through the similar situations than I am too. And when you have those types of conversations, that's when real change and innovation can start to take place. You know, not everyone has to become vulnerable in the moment and not everyone has to open up about every single facet of their life. But I think that if we can create environments where people feel safe in order to fully be themselves, we might be surprised at some of the technologies that get created as a result of that. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you felt vulnerable enough to share that with that 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 story, your story with with the world because it's 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 really something that is it's it's stigmatized and it shouldn't be and um the bravery to share that with the world takes a lot of strength and i and and i'm 100% there with you i i opened up this past summer about having diagnosed depression and anxiety and i had friends reach out to me personally via like dm and say like hey you know, it's good to see someone who is also a high achiever have struggle with this. And I was like, wow, thank you for one, reaching out and two, like letting me know that you, you, you think I'm a high achiever. I appreciate it. But more importantly, <laughs> that you, you feel something and you know, something is wrong and you know, something, you, you know, someone else that is also experiencing it. I, for the, for the longest time, like really denied what I 
was experiencing because I didn't think it was real. But once I had it like, you know, diagnosed to me, I was like, okay, wow, this, so this is real. And I've been going through it. And like, I wonder how many other people are are in my shoes and maybe don't take that step. Um, So like, I think it's really so important to be vulnerable because we're just, we're all in this game together and we just have to have to really um, look at the positive side and really uplift one another and mm-hmm. and strive for positive and like you said meaningful meaningful change i mean isn't that part of the human experience like at the end of the day i don't want our technology to to overtake who we are as people there's something so special to us as human beings and that's mm-hmm. the way that we interact with each other and i think if covid has really shown us one thing it's that we crave human connection more than anything else, which is why companies were so prepared to immediately almost figure out a way to make teleconferencing work in ways that they hadn't previously. And it's that desire to continually stay connected. Uh, The one thing I want to warn, and I hope people heed my warning, is that technology is great, but human connection is better. And so I want people to utilize technology as a tool in order to get us to the next step of connection and human connection, but not forget that there's an emotional component to that and that will never go away or be supplemented by technology. That's just something that we have at the core of our being. And I feel like if we can highlight that, if we accentuate that in some way, but just use our accessibility and our technology as tools to get us to the next step of that communication platform, then then I think we're going to be okay. I have I have a question follow up question for you Marco if you were to create an analogy how would you, what would you create to extrapolate what you just said Wow uh that's that's extremely uh, I love analogies a, I love analogies I, I, I love analogies yeah no I actually do also love analogies I would say um essentially don't let your technology be be the engine behind what drives your heart forward if that makes sense. It's, it's a, that's a very uh, kind of convoluted way of saying that the emotional component is we already have all the tools that we need and we don't need to create new tools there in order to make that happen. But I think that sometimes people get so lost in it and becoming reliant on the things that we use third party that they forget that the human body and the human experience is such an amazing piece of technology in and of itself. I don't know. I don't know. That's it's it's tough to come up with an analogy on the spot like that, but I hope that that helps <laughs> to drive the message for you. Yes, yes, I'm impressed. That is a great analogy, you know, on the spot. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. So this is a um, interesting next question. What past projects are you two most proud of? This could be something that you two worked together um, on or independently. So um, love to hear your perspective, Marco and Lindsay. Good question. Um, I think, I guess just as far as like ventures, you know, we're still in our beginning stages, but um, this conference for on October 14th is... Um, I think something that I'm increasingly getting more and more proud of as the days go by, um, it's really the first conference that I've worked on taking it from kind of the ground up. And it's it's really interesting to not only think about, um, you know, being in COVID that we have to have a virtual event, but also wanting to make sure that it's fully accessible for everyone who wants to attend um, and making it available globally. I think it's a huge, um, a huge task to take on, but I'm so proud of just even the concept behind the conference and also the team that um, is a part of Like Ventures. We we have such a great, um, diverse team with a really wide set of experiences, um, and so yeah, that's. I would say I'm probably most proud of this conference and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Absolutely. Lots of synergy. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, I would concur uh, with, uh, with Lindsay, as far as the conference itself, some of my past projects though, that I'm really, really proud of is um, I've helped to introduce um, some inclusive hiring strategies um, uh, at a city level with the city that I live in. Amazing. Uh, which is, yeah, which is like really, really cool. My my wife, she happens to work out of City Hall and uh, 
And it's not every day that you can say that your wife took over the portfolio that you used to run. <laughs> uh, and she ended up she ended up doing that and is totally killing it now oh, and, it, and it's totally oh expanded that project. But to start that conversation and to that have so people cool. recognize and realize is just incredible. And then an offshoot to that, I sit on a couple not-for-profit boards, national not-for-profit boards here in Canada. And um, one of the organizations that I'm a part of, I went to their summer camp as a, as a kid, as a person with a disability. And, you know, over 25 years later, I'm now a board of directors of the same organization that I went to their camp that gave me the confidence to be the person that I am today. Yeah. And they're um they're doing a full renovation of one of their campground spaces um mm -hmm. to have a 17 million dollar fully inclusive campground space with uh tree huts and uh walking bridges canopy bridges and things of that nature and right now i'm part of the capital campaign fundraising uh team that is helping to bring that to a reality which is really incredible wow. to me because it, it nearly brings a tear to my eye uh thinking about the impact that it had on me to realize that I could go to a place where I was accepted and I wasn't being told about the next doctor appointment or feeling the pain in my body or anything like that. I was just being allowed to be a kid. So to now be full circle, paying that forward to be part of a group that's actually going to be reinventing this whole space. And also in the off season, the great thing about this not-for-profit is that they're hoping that the $17 million space will also be able to use, be used for Airbnbs and wedding receptions because it's just off of a lake. And not only will that be awesome for photos and all these experiences, because it's a beautiful area, but in turn, the accessible cabins, the accessible space, the accessible canopies, that's going to open the eyes of people who attend that location going, wait a minute, you're telling me this whole place is universally designed? And I'm hoping that an offshoot of that is people will then recognize what universal design means. Mm -hmm. And that that means that whether you're nine or you're 90 and your grandma over at the wedding having a great time, that again, you feel like without even trying, you're just included in the space. So that's really exciting. Wow, that's that's so powerful. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, how can the audience support you two and support like ventures? What are some actionable items that the audience can can take to um, support what you two are working on? I would say a few things. So um, as far as the conference, again, October 14th, it'll be all virtual. So we definitely encourage everyone to register to attend. It will be completely free. Um, so we love making connections with people across all industries. Um, we can be found on pretty much all social media platforms. And then also um, at like.ventures is our website. So super easy to get to. Um, we're also looking for some in-kind sponsorships as well. So being a nonprofit, um, working on getting ourselves off the ground, um, there's definitely less of a cost involved with doing a virtual conference, but um, we are looking to provide some awards as well um, and present those at the conference. So um, anyone who is looking to connect just to, um, you know, talk a bit more about like ventures and um, get some meaningful ideas rolling and have some of those conversations. We're always open to that, but also the in-kind sponsorships are um, certainly open to those conversations as well. Awesome. Right. When you say in-kind, in sorry, I wanted to just no, clarify. Whenever you say in-kind sponsorships, are you looking for people that have specific skill sets um, to be able to help you out with the production of this or, or just, you know, um, did you want to be specific about that? Yeah, go, go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of both. Definitely. If there are any areas where people um, have certain skill sets that they want to share with us, um, happy to make that connection and chat through um, what might be useful, but also just on a um, monetary level as well, looking for um, those contributions to our conference. Yeah, in addition to what Lindsay's saying, it's just 
Uh, right now, we're really looking for an engaged audience of people who want to help us push our vision to the next level. So if you want to learn more about our mission and vision, as we've been kind of alluding to in this conversation, they can go to like uh, ventures and kind of learn a little bit more about our background. Uh, but right now, you know, we're looking from anyone who's got ideas around, um, like, for example, Obviously, any anyone can settle on a platform, and the platform in which we're delivering the the conference, um, you know that that's an easy sort of takeaway. But if there's innovators uh, who have technologies that could really um, be showcased by being a, a core sponsor, so say for example, you want to be able to showcase your new technology, that would be great for people in the low vision community or in the deaf community, or something of that nature that helps to bring people together in a way that is so unique to your innovation that you just think that this would be the perfect platform to showcase that to hundreds of people. Um, that would be really cool because that's the whole mission about what we're what it is that we're trying to do here. We're trying to, we're trying to bring a light to conversations that we didn't even know we had to be having. And I think that that's the most exciting part. So you can go, um, you can email us at uh, sponsors at like.ventures, for those types of sponsorship ideas, as well as if you know any organizations that could be nominated for either the Pioneer Award, or if you know a change maker who's been in the space for a really long time, has been doing some incredible work and should be recognized as a Lifetime Achievement Award. These are the two awards that we're doing this year. And, uh, you know, we're starting it off small from an award standpoint, because what, like, like we're trying to say, we're really trying to create a active network, a hub of people who are interested in the space and learning more. And that will help us in the future with some of the other pillars of the business that we hope to get into, which is that of, as I, as I sort of mentioned earlier, inclusive employment, um, looking at things from a consulting standpoint, going into organizations and being able to help them given our background and experience, particularly with myself as a consultant, uh, I love going into spaces and helping organizations with their built environment, with helping review their blueprints and seeing how we could make their space more accessible, not just for people in, with disabilities in wheelchairs or, or physical disabilities, but also from a hearing perspective, a visual perspective, and even a cognitive perspective. So that's something later down the line, but really this conference is that springboard to start having those really cool conversations. And uh, so if you're there, we have an opportunity to talk to you about the possibilities. I love that. That's really exciting. I, I will sign up. I will be there. You can count on me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, side question here for you, Marco. Since you're in Canada, I'm genuinely curious. Maybe this is a two-part question. One, sure. do you get a lot of um, requests from United States companies um, I, I would just say I would sue private public. Do you get a lot of consulting requests from the U.S.? That's my first question. Mm -hmm. And the second part: Do you feel like the U United States, like basically the policy, the digital policy on web accessibility standards and general innovation and um, support of accessibility, compares to Canada? I'm just genuinely curious because I have no yeah. benchmark. Of, of Canada technology? No, 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 absolutely. So first and foremost, let me answer your first question about working with clients in the States. So up uh, prior to COVID, um, I had worked with maybe only a few clients uh, in the States, uh, just simply because of, I want to make sure that I'm still providing and giving opportunities to other people who do similar work that I do as American citizens, the right to actually have work within their own country. That, that is actually very important to me. And if anything, um, COVID has shown me even more so, especially small business owners and consultants, you know, we really have to band together to make sure that there's gainful opportunities for everyone to, to gain work. Um, having said that, the interesting silver lining, actually, I would say with COVID is that it actually opens me to work more with organizations in the States <laughs> because, um, because here's the thing, if I were to physically travel to a state and then do work, um, that can get a little bit hairy when it comes to all the paperwork and all the back end things, because now I'm actually physically going to a location and then you have to start talking about things like work visas and things of this nature. However, being a consultant who's able to work remotely and the idea of remote work is a perfect segue for innovation and technology 
it actually allows me to still be working on Canadian soil, but providing specialized services to American counterparts and other uh, organizations across the world in a way that isn't necessarily taking away work from U.S. citizens or U.S. employees in the same capacity. And so I feel like it gives me a lot more variety and opportunity to work with U.S. companies, as well as to tag team with potentially some U.S. partners or friends or colleagues who want to work with me on other projects. Now, the second question you had there was around how does Canadian accessibility standards relate or, or sort of compare to U.S. standards? And I would say it's an interesting sort of approach. So we have the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, which is sort of, you know, universal to the U.S. and to Canada and, and the world, really. And I think it serves as a benchmark as to sort of, um, you know, where to get started. However, when you look at things like building codes, and then you start to look at building construction, that varies from state to state and here in Canada from province to province. And I think that what people need to realize is that you can't weigh things just based on building code and standards between your states or cities alone. You have to look at what the gold standard is in terms of creating that meaningful access. And so there's creators out there uh, like an organization that I'm a part of called the Rick Hansen Foundation that is working on gold standards that go above and beyond what your building codes or what your provincial or statewide codes would look at from, say, an Americans with Disabilities Act perspective. And I think that that's the direction that all organizations need to go, regardless of where you're at in the world. Let's stop saying, well, we made this code back in 1994 and it was good enough at the time. I'll give you an example. <coughs> Excuse me. When I was in Las Vegas before COVID, um, I went into an ADA accessible room, Americans with Disabilities Act accessible room with my wife. My wife happens to not have a disability. And uh, they said, the room is accessible. Well, I was able to wheel my chair into the room, no problem. But when I went to go into the bathroom, I wheeled into the bathroom. And when I was in my wheelchair, I could only see from my forehead up when it was when I was looking in the mirror. So... The, the code, this code in the, in uh, Las Vegas said that the positioning of that mirror is exactly where it should be. But as you can see, that that would not help me if I had to shave my face in the morning. So one thing that would be a change when it comes to meaningful access is allowing that mirror to now be put on a swivel or on a tilt so that I could actually angle the mirror towards my position of where my chair is positioned so that I could actually see my face. And so although... The standard says, well, the mirror's positioning is exactly where it's supposed to be. Again, that's not creating that meaningful access. So this is the only the thing that the people who've been out there in the weeds and have experienced this for themselves, those are the people that are going to understand what the gold standard looks like. And that's what we have to do. We have to start talking to uh, stakeholders in all different sizes, sectors, spaces, and abilities to say, what is your gold standard? And how can we help? the world kind of get to that space so they understand even for a moment what it looks like to create a space where you don't have to think about your disability. You can just think about being who you are as a person. Absolutely. Well said, well said. So I'm interested if the listeners wanted to learn more about accessibility and maybe potentially pursue a career and, and the field of, of accessibility, what, what would you recommend? What kind of resources would you, would you recommend? And I, I, I know, and I realize that it's not your job to come up with the resources that generally, you know, they're, they're out there, people can find them, but I would love to hear maybe your top two resources that you feel like are credible and are a good opportunity that maybe you wish you had as a resource when you were getting started. Sure. Well, first and foremost, let me check in with my uh, my colleague, Lindsay. Do you have any uh, uh, advice or, or sort of resources that you would recommend based on your background or your experience and some of the things that you've seen uh, that we can kind of jump to first? Um, I guess nothing in particular. Definitely will look forward to your feedback here. All of my education has come from um, well, Marco himself and um, just kind of doing Google searches on, you know, things that maybe of interest or what innovations are going on in tech that I think the internet is just one of our best resources as a whole. So that's definitely where I turn to first, but yeah, Marco, any, um, 
specifics, yeah. I'm sure would be appreciated. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, I would say, honestly, the easiest thing uh, that people can do is they, I always give this as a piece of advice, is they can Google the seven principles of universal design. Um, if you're an inventor out there, if you're an innovator, to understand the seven principles of universal design and how they basically completely level the playing field when it comes to how products, services, and tools are designed in order to be universally accessible for all people, that's always a really great place to start because it's going to help you to wrap your head around how new products and services can be designed with those principles in mind in order to reach the broadest amount of audience. You know, I think there's a misnomer that people with disabilities, they don't have a lot of money and that they're just on disability supports. So they're not a target audience to go after, but that couldn't be further from the truth. There's a lot of people like myself who are entrepreneurs, CEOs, business leaders that have some form of disability and they want to spend their hard-earned money on your product and service. So designing with products and services with all abilities in mind, you're actually broadening your audience to really uh, meet the most amount of people where they're at. And so as accessibility consultants, it's kind of neat to find niches where we can kind of step in place and really have a little bit more of that skill set that we can offer that's unique from some of our colleagues. So for example, I've taken a real niche in the subject matter of inclusive employment and hiring people with disabilities and the recruitment process and the, the uh, retainment process and procurement process, that kind of thing. Um, I also have a background in built environment, as I said, so looking at a physical space. But there are so many different nuances to accessibility and universal design that there's something for everyone. And, and I'm sure that somebody will find something that they're super passionate about when it comes to that, whether it's audio technology, whether it's visual technology and how you can make an impact in those spaces to really make a name for yourself. Um, but the first place to start is those seven design principles for universal design. Thank you. Thank you. Those are very great uh, tips there. Seven design principles. I'll add that to the show notes. And I'll also link um, Like Ventures website that way if anyone wants to check you guys out, um, sign up for the conference in October, then they can register and get that information. That's that's really great. Thank you so much. We we really appreciate the opportunity and, and we always like connecting with like-minded people, no pun intended. Um, you know, and hey, I, I, just... I see what you did there. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, but I, I think it's a, I think it's honestly, this is a really cool thing. Like the fact that we use technology, Ashley, to find you. Uh, we found you on a matchmaking service for podcasters and podcastees. Uh, called matchmaker.fm. So shout out to... No way. Yes. So shout out to Caroline, uh, our our director of marketing, who linked us up with you utilizing technology because this is the types of conversations that need to be having, you know, all across the board. And I think like that's the power of technology is I would never have known who you are. I would never have known about your amazing TEDx presentation that you did and your background and your experiences if it wasn't for this technology. So that right, right there is proof is in the pudding. Wow. Okay. One, I am definitely tearing up because I feel the power. Wow. <laughs> oh, that, that is so cool. Um, one, I just, I love technology for this very reason. Um, the ability to really connect us together. I never would have met you all. Um, most likely who knows maybe what we would have, um, but this has been such a meaningful conversation. And as someone who has a, a passion for accessibility and tries to stay genuinely involved in accessibility in XR, so things like VR and AR, um, it's so nice to to connect with you two. And I really look forward to seeing how Like Ventures grows and transforms. And I will definitely do anything and everything that I can to connect um, where, where, where things connect and, and overlap, because I think there's a lot of um, organizations that, that I feel like could benefit from this, specifically in the technology realm and specifically in the XR realm. Um, so yeah, thank you both for being on the show. Um, is there any other um, information that you would like to share before we wrap up today? Um, feel free to drop in your, your Instagram handles or Twitter handles or where, where folks can, can find you besides the uh, like.ventures, which I'll get in the show notes. would love to uh, get your handles. 
Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to find me, the easiest way is actually just to go to my website, marcopasqua.com, P-A-S-Q-U-A and first name M-A-R-C-O. And all my social media um, connections are, are available through my website. And I, I truly do mean this. I hope that people do reach out to me and they want to make a meaningful connection. If you try to connect with me and sell me something, that is a no-no. Okay. So <laughs> I, I truly want to be connecting with people who want to make meaningful change. Lindsay knows this about me. It's one of my big things that I say at the beginning of almost every meeting is that meaningful connections are the most uh, important thing. If you read my website, you'll see that I'm all about authenticity. So if there's some way that I can actually support you that happens to benefit your business, then great. But don't come in trying to hard sell me on a product because I'm about the human connection and nothing else. So I really, truly hope <laughs> that people want to connect in that regard and that they're looking forward to um, mutually benefiting each other in that way. Yes, yes. I'm 100% there with you. Meaningful, meaningful is going to be the mantra of the month, I feel like. Um, but I'm about to set up some kind of um, script to block all of these sales pitches that I get on LinkedIn every single day. It is exhausting. Um, it's just, it's not meaningful connection and you can tell it's, I, I get it. I get people are trying to connect, but I, I am with you there. I'm more about those meaningful, authentic connections because that's where the real work and the real conversations happen. Absolutely. Lindsay, what about yourself? Yeah, um, I would say probably LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me, but definitely Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever people want to. I'm just at Lindsay Fight across the board. Um, so <laughs> pretty consistent and easy to find. Um, but yes, and then definitely, of course, check out all of our like ventures, social medias as well. Um, love to connect with anyone um, on either of those either of those accounts. Awesome. Lindsay, do you mind spelling out your handle for us, please? Oh, yes. Uh, so just my first and last name, L-I-N-S-E-Y and F-E-I-T. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So everyone that's listening, please go give Marco and Lindsay a follow. Uh, register for the Like Ventures conference in October share with a friend, share with a couple more friends, and then have them share with a couple more friends. Uh, <laughs> spread the word because the work that Like Ventures is doing is amazing and incredible. <laughs> Thanks so much. Don't be, don't be a stranger. Please know that this is uh, only one of many conversations that I'm sure we're going to have. Wonderful. And likewise. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Coffee and Code, head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rate and review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live every Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Code, and I'll see you next week.